time in Miami. Oh, you never been to Miami? First time in Miami, Zoe. Oh, wow. Yeah. Let's just say, <laughs> oh, man. Uh, yeah. Yeah. You can't, I, go, I, you, can't go, you can't go to South Beach by yourself, man. That's not a good look. No, I didn't. No, age, I, man. Well, <laughs> well, that's the thing. Well, it's well, a you good thing. It, yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. Oh. <laughs> Setting yourself up for failure, bro. <laughs> no, let's just say it's a good thing I didn't go by myself. I was with my lady. I kept my I oh. kept my head. Yeah, yeah. I went with oh, the lady. Go. Oh, I thought she wasn't going. I thought she was doing it like a fella strip or something. Oh, no, 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 no. It, it, it was me and her. I kept my, you know what I'm saying? I kept my uh I kept my laser beam focus. I kept my eyes forward. You know what I'm well, saying? No neck jerking. Yeah. <laughs> Your side eyeing. Uh, I'm not no, none of that. It's my head. That. I know my eyes are moving, but it's my head. <laughs> I'm trying to look Let's at just, her. See where she looking? Looking yeah. at her, looking past her. I get you, man. I know all the tricks, man. Let's just <laughs> let's just say that uh, sunglasses were very helpful. You know what I'm yeah, saying? Right. <laughs> no, nah, but it was great, man. It was my first time on South Beach, the Strip. I mean, obviously, you know, you played for the Bills, so you played them a couple times a year. Um, so, well, I, I mean, I guess you only went down there once, but I'm sure you've been there when you were playing with other teams. And, yeah, man, the strip was crazy. The water was insane. It was warm. The sand is is white. Do you guys get any off time? I know they always say that the Dolphins have the best home field advantage because guys uh, go out late and do whatever. No? Uh, I mean, you get you got to be normally in your room by 10 or 11. Depending on what team you're on, you may have – a couple of hours to go do something, but by the time you get there, you're coming right back. So some guys, they do go out, at least especially like the, whatever that strip club is down there. You'll get a couple of guys to go to that, but overall, most guys don't. What about beach time? You don't get like like any time during the day? No, no. Nah. I mean, as soon as you, it's normally a one o'clock game, so as soon as you're getting up, it's time to leave. Gotcha, gotcha. So yeah, went to the game was incredible felt like the cathedral i was i it was the first time because i'm a suns fan also so when i see a suns fan in cali it's maybe once or twice a year or something and i'll be able to talk to them but in general it's you know warriors fans out here lakers fans kings fans but out there it's like it was dolphins fans everywhere so i could talk to them high five and i'm booing the rams fans as they come in i'm all hyped i'm inside the stadium and then to start the game we get a three and out, right? And I'm all pumped up. And now right. here comes here comes Tua. And the crowd's going crazy. Here comes Tua. I think they hand the ball off on the first play. Second play, Tua drops back, gets hit, fumbles. Rams score a couple plays later. Like, all that excitement for nothing. Right. <laughs> Man, I mean, that was – I mean, if that was nothing else, that was a – that was a defensive – clinic because yeah, right. you know yeah because hang on let me turn this damn uh, because Tua didn't have much to do with that he did throw a nice touchdown pass but in general the defense they got defense two sacks dominated, yeah 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 well let's get into it welcome on into the program uh it is your humble host Zachariah alongside 15 year vet Lorenzo Alexander and PFL champion UFC fighter Sean O'Connell. You can follow us on Twitter at the number two Z's, ZS, and OC. What's going on, fellas? Glad to be Apologies yeah. to you fellas not making the schedule work last week, man. I I felt I was had FOMO. You guys did one without me. Hurt my feelings only a little bit, but it was my own fault. We did that two. We did yeah, two without was- you. Yeah, that was Zach. All Zach. He decided to do that. I was trying to hold on. You know, I don't like doing shows without the whole crew, but Zach is just, he all about business, man, not about relationships. <laughs> but uh, we're doing good, though, doing real good. Uh, you know, we another 2-0 and weekend for my boys, flag football. Uh, you know, so just hanging out, had a great Halloween, did a little party here. I, I built this um, makeshift, not really makeshift, but really awesome um Haunted house out of a carport, so the kids love that. Had my father-in-law in the back of it, kind of moving around, touching and scaring folks. Um, had a night of karaoke, so it, it was real good, man. So I, I enjoyed my weekend and uh, had some fun watching some football, too. What'd you do for Halloween? Well, I got a little one now, as you know. So we, we went down to Provo, 
went down to the in-laws house uh, and, and trick-or-treated with five, six different houses just to give the little one a little taste of uh, that experience. She was dressed up as a baby shark and her costume played that song, Baby Shark. You like had a little button in it, you know? Nice. So it was as cute as can be and she was having a good time and felt like she needed to point out every ghost and every pumpkin. It was just fantastic, man. You know, like Zoe and I were just talking about this. It's really cliche. People talk about it when they say you're, you know, you're going to experience the world all over again because you see it through your kid's eyes, but it really happens. Like, yeah. For real. So, yeah, man, it was fun. Yeah, I mean, that's awesome. I mean, you and I are the same age, so anytime you can get back to feeling young again and go through those experiences that we all long for, you can do it through your kids. <laughs> I mean, people joke about, you know, parents living through their kids through sports or whatever, but, like, when it comes to nice experiences like that, I mean, I'm sure it's awesome. Yeah, it was a lot no. of fun. Yeah. yeah, most definitely. You better hurry up, Zach, because you're going to be an old dad here in a minute. No, man. I know. So you, I'm on it. Yeah. I'm on it. I'm all on right. It. All right, so uh, Sean O'Connell, you can follow on Twitter at Real OC Sports, and then Lorenzo Alexander, you can follow at One Man Gang ninety seven. We, I, I want to get to the Dolphins because I was at the game, my first Dolphins yeah. game ever. But before we get into that, I actually want to go to OC because the reason why we misplaced OC, even though uh, Zoe's trying to throw me under the bus and say that I was trying to do the shows without him, he just I'm couldn't. Just facts. He, he just couldn't make the regularly regularly scheduled time. But the reason why he couldn't is because Pac twelve football is back and oc i haven't been keeping up with all the news so i want you to tell me what is the latest news how's everything going has there been any failed or positive covid tests it's weird that positive is bad when it comes to (laughs) tests and stuff like that but anyways uh what's the newest news when it comes to pac-12 and how they're moving forward with the season well thankfully uh, the season kicks off this weekend right so we went back to our normal schedule on pac-12 today which of course as you already mentioned, kind of interrupted my recreational podcasting schedule. Uh, but so far, so good in terms of the preparations for the season. We've had a couple of hiccups with, uh, you know, USC early on in the process had a rash of positive tests and they kind of had to interrupt their scheduling. Um, Oregon most recently, just as they were exiting like the camp portion of camp and getting into game week prep, they had five positive tests on the team and then had to do the shutdown and the retest, and some of those were false positives. So, so far, knock on wood, so good. Haven't played any games yet, right? No team crossover just yet. Uh, but the campuses, I've been saying this. In the Pac-12 conference, you had to make this sort of unfortunate executive decision to, like, delay when other people were getting going, Right. The SEC, the ACC, the Big 12, they've been at it for weeks. The Big 10 already got started. They got it started a couple weeks ahead of you. And being the last one in line for the Pac-12 has fortunately allowed them to be a little bit more prepared and to kind of adjust some of the protocols. And hopefully it means that we get the full slate of games. But to be determined, because we kick off this weekend with a couple of really interesting games, ASU-USC right off the bat. That's a 9 a.m. Pacific time kickoff. You no. play to win the game. Herm <laughs> Edwards. I, I always root for Herm. Herm's got a really good team this year, right? He's been playing freshmen two years ago and sophomores last year, and those guys are now juniors that are expected to step up. Their true freshman quarterback from a year ago, Jaden Daniels, is one of the most promising dual threat guys in the entire country. And, and it might be insulting to him to call him a dual threat. I just say that because he's very athletic, but – Primarily, he likes to do the work with his arms. So, uh, and then of course, USC finally has the talent that people expect from USC. So that's a 9 a.m. game. Uh, I'm excited to see what happens. What's the second game that you said? You said there's two. You said there's two Oregon interesting Stanford. games. You got uh, Oregon Stanford, and actually, don't sleep on Washington Cal. Right? I mean, yeah. Cal, Cal's, <laughs> Cal's a good team this year. Cal is like the dark horse pick to win the North because Oregon's replacing a lot of talent. Cal gets their whole offensive line back if they can keep their quarterback, Chase Garbers, healthy. Um, Their defense lost some important talents from a year ago, right? Evan Weaver (laughs) accounted for something like 150 tackles last year. But you got Coin Dang, who people might might recognize from his stint a couple years ago on Last Chance U, who's just one of the most interesting physical specimens in all of college football. He's an inside linebacker who's like 6'6". 
and goes about 245 pounds, but he still somehow looks lean. So I'm excited to watch all these, but I'm a, I'm a Pac-12 homer. That's the network I've been working for, and I've just been, you know, holding my breath to see if we were going to get it, and it starts this weekend. Yeah, only thing I, I worry about, and you mentioned it uh, kind of early in your uh, summary about the Pac-12. Pac, uh, I'm about to say Pac-10. I'm so used to saying that. <laughs> is because they 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 waited so long and i understand why because you know they say it was a you know for health and safety reasons and now they're starting back because we know they need the money even though they've had time to lead up and kind of see what other conferences have done what the nfl has done maybe poorly and try to fix it this virus is still penetrating any protocol and so the only thing i worry about is there's going to get somebody's going to get sick. You may you're going to have some some outbreaks, and then you have to um, cancel games or try to shift things. And they've really minimized their window as far as potentially being able to participate in the college playoff system because of that. And so if they miss a game or two, or if it's you know ASU or Oregon or one of those teams that are kind of front runner, and maybe they are undefeated and they have to miss a game or two. They're going to really put themselves even further behind than what the Pac-12 already is when you think about the college playoffs. And so hopefully they're able to get through it. But just based on what we've seen around the country, NFL and in college, they're going to have some hiccups. And they really didn't give themselves any room to reschedule or have buys because they're already kind of up against the deadline. Well, the biggest the biggest story, right, has been Trevor Lawrence getting it right outside of that. As somebody that I love college football, I watch well, college Wisconsin football. is missed games. I mean, so yeah, yeah. As uh, far as player, Trevor Lawrence is the big name, but there have been cancellations so far in college. Yeah, so I'm just wondering, like, how are they going to figure this all out? Like, I I watched a whole segment on what they're going to do with the Heisman Trophy for Trevor. How do you hold him in COVID and having to miss two games against other Heisman Trophy f- f- favorites? And will the committee factor that in? Like, how are they going to do that? That's one thing, a Heisman Trophy, yes, it's a big deal, and it can be something that you can always say. I mean, you can be in those damn, what is it, Capital One commercials or whatever the hell it is where all the Heisman, former Heisman Trophy guys get Heisman together. Heisman House. Yeah, the Heisman House. So, I mean, I'm not saying that it's insignificant, but the college football playoff, I think, would be more than that. And how is the committee going to figure that out? I mean, OC, have you heard anything about that? Like, how are they going to factor in a Big Ten team or a Pac-12 team that goes undefeated, but maybe, like Zoe said, misses a game or two versus another team that had a longer schedule and only has one bad loss? Like, what the hell are they going to do? There's going to be so much controversy. You're right. There is going to be a lot of controversy, and there are teams positioning themselves right now, Cincinnati, BYU, some of these squads that are kind of like normally outliers that feel like this is an opportunity for them to get in if they can stay healthy. At the end of the day, though, it's going to be the eyeball test, which, quite frankly, should always be the case, right? In college football, we have this extreme reliance on undefeated teams. We have this Mm -hmm. extreme reliance on reputation and things like that. It's on the onus is on the college football playoff selection committee to sit down to watch games. I'm not just talking about like the weekend of, right? December 20th, I think, is, is selection day this year for the college football playoff. They should be watching film on all of the teams that may or may not be relevant for this now. And they should be getting an idea of if Clemson is still an elite team without Trevor Lawrence, if Notre Dame is really as good as they say they are, or if that struggle they had with Louisville is indicative of bigger problems, right? They should look at Alabama, and Alabama will check out and say, even if that team misses two games, I know that their personnel looks like they're one of the best teams in the country. They probably belong in the college football playoff. Like, you have to be able to assess more than just a team's record and the conference that it comes from. If we want this college football playoff to truly be giving opportunities for us to see the best teams playing against the best teams, eventually you got to expand it. But under the four-team system we have now, you have got to watch and assess what these teams really are, not just, oh, did they win the SEC? Oh, did they win the Big 12? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and and – we say all this coming the day after the election where there's going to be a lot of controversy too. But I mean it's going to be the same thing. People are going yeah. to be people are going to be upset one way or the other. They're going to say, "Hey, we deserve this because they played less games or we had a better schedule or we did this or we did that." I mean, 
All of it is going to be up in arms, and there's going to be plenty of teams that are going to have a solid case of why they should be in that don't get in. So why not expand it? The NFL is talking about adding one more team, right? So why not go to eight teams and, and then make a bubble out of it? Because you can do eight teams in a bubble somewhere yeah. and, and, and do a playoff game like that, and then maybe you can be able to get through it and appease everybody and then get what the people want, having yeah. more teams in the playoff well, system. And it's a great year to challenge it. It's inevitable that they're going to expand it at some point anyway. It just makes right. sense. I mean, why have four teams when you can have eight? It's As you told me, Zoe, on either last podcast or the podcast before, follow the money. There's more money if you have eight teams, and why not do it? Because there's so many times where there's a team from a smaller conference that deserves to get in, that looks good. Remember Boise had that upset. Was it over Oklahoma or whatever when they yeah. ran the statue play? Um, there's always teams that can make a case for getting in, but they don't get in because they're not in as strong of a conference. So, yeah, why not expand it? And why not, as I said when I was talking about baseball doing stuff different, basketball doing stuff different, you just mentioned the NFL might do stuff different. Why not this year? In, like, There's no better year to, to experiment with something different. Yeah, you're right, but it's too late in the game now, right? This is something that if you were going to explore a season in every Power 5 conference – and even some beyond that, you, you should have been pushing for this earlier on. But, but the NFL's doing it mid-year, OC. Yeah, well, the NFL is its own self-contained machine, That's right? They, the, the NFLPA and the owners, they can decide things together. They're business partners in this endeavor. And Roger Goodell says does whatever the, the owners say. When we're talking about college football, you're talking about the NCAA – and then the next, I guess the most powerful is probably the SEC, SEC yeah, Big yeah. Ten. Yeah. And then you go down probably to the ACC, the Big 12, the Pac-12. Pac-12. you got to get all of them to agree. And by the way, if you're the SEC right now, there is no reason why you want an expanded college football playoff because you got a great team of getting two squads in per year. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you, got, you always have your champion in there. So mm-hmm. why are you looking at it and saying – money? <laughs> but they, yeah. <laughs> which, but that money, that money ends up probably being equal, somewhat equal for the SEC, better for everyone else, and I don't know if they care. Yeah, well, we'll see. Better. Yeah. Last time I checked, if I had a hundred dollars and you gave me another hundred dollars, but you got twenty five when I got my hundred dollars, I'm happy. I'm even <laughs> more happy. I'm with you. I've been beating the expanded college football playoff drum for a long time. Like, what, what people fail to recognize is everyone's like, oh, it's asking the kids to play too many games. It's too demanding. It's this, it's that. In 1AA, formerly known as 1AA, now FCS football, they've been doing that, right? In D2, they do it. In D3, they do it. You're telling me. That the UCLA football team, who, by the way, had $5 million spent on their meals last year, you're telling me that those guys can't play an extra three games to win a national championship? Get out of here. Yeah, yeah. Well, we'll see how it all plays out, but the Pac-12 starts. OC is back on the Pac-12 network. We're going to... What do we tell the people? Where where can they find you? Just Pac-12 Network on Sirius XM? Sirius XM channel 373. It's myself and Jeff Schwartz, who's a former Oregon Duck. I played eight years Jeff. Yeah. Zone knows Jeff. But, he, um, yeah, it's me and him, and it's, uh, what is it, 4 to 6 p.m. Pacific time. So Check it out for all your Pac-12 Huh? I said check it out for all your Pac-12 needs. Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. So let's transition into professional football. And let me just start with Miami has the Dolphins, the greatest football team. We take the ball from goal to goal like no one's ever seen. We're in the air. We're on the ground. We're yeah, always that's on in your control. Screen. That's on, that's on you your screen. Miami, you don't, you don't, you don't know that song. You're talking super the Miami you're Dolphins. You're cheating right Miami now. Miami Dolphins. You're cheating right <laughs> what's, now. You're cheating. You don't know that song by heart. Zo, unfortunately, I've been a Dolphins fan since Dan Marino. Oh, and, wow. and and one of the lines in there is, and when you say Miami, you're talking Super Bowl. Unfortunately, I haven't seen one of those. But in a, in a former podcast, Zo, you talked about how as an opponent going in there, that song annoyed the hell out of you. And when I went to the stadium for the first time ever, the cathedral, as I like to call it, uh, okay. I, I can I, only – What? Some of your associations and what you're calling just kind of just way off off base. But go ahead. 
Anyways, you mentioned how annoying that is. And when I went there and they played it, it is the first of all, they don't play like the T-Pain version. They play a version from like 1975. And it sounds so corny. And I could only imagine if I was an opposing player, I would want to just, it, it, if anything, I think it's bad because it motivates the other team. If I was on the other team and I heard that song, I would want to destroy the next dolphin that I saw in front of me. <laughs> <laughs> so anyways, back to the game. They start off horrible. Tua gets hit, fumbles, Rams score, and then it just turned into a defensive battle. The Dolphins' defense, and this is where, because uh, really this was not about Tua. They won despite Tua, not because of Tua. And what I really want to talk about in this game, obviously, it was actually pretty boring. All the action was in the first half. In the second half, the Dolphins didn't even score. But they, they held on to beat the Rams, who were favored. But what I really want to talk about is Brian Flores. And what he's done, because this was about special teams and defense, and they spent a lot of money. They spent a lot of money on what could be argued as the best quarterback tandem in the league, and they won that game because of defense and special teams, and not because of Tua. And so I walked out of that game more impressed than thinking about Brian Flores as possibly a coach of the year candidate than anything else. Yeah, I think Brian Flores is doing the thing, going about it the right way. And I think he's probably even looked at, obviously he's a defensive coordinator, but looking at what Sean McDermott did in Buffalo, investing in the defense first, while gives your chance, your your offense a chance to catch up, especially not having that franchise quarterback quite there. And so mm-hmm. he went out this past year and spent a lot of money in free agency, as you just mentioned, bringing in guys that could play at a high level, obviously investing in, in, in the defensive backfield. I think about Shaq Lawson that they brought in. I think about Cam Vanor that they brought in from New England as well, and they've really been playing some good football. And if you look at uh, what Ryan Fitzpatrick has done as far as, like, some of the turnovers, they may be a little bit better than what record-wise if they if they don't have those turnover-type games. And so I think that's why they even thought about making the move now, understanding that Tua wasn't going to have those style of turnovers, um, and it gives him a chance to play with a good defense, get some experience, maybe build on some things – um, because he has time by the way that defense is playing. And so, yeah, it's, it's really impressive. I've, I've, I've been around Brian Flores, has a really good, I think, temperament as a head coach, um, and it's going to probably be another guy, you know, that was from that Brian Belichick tree like Vrabel as far as uh, being productive in his league because he's doing it the right way and his guys uh, tend to, to really like playing for him as well. I just – I love – watching the hopes and dreams of a fan base that has been beat down for so long start to get stoked, right? Optimism, Zacharias singing a fight song, all that stuff. <laughs> I would. Yeah, that sounds like a 1970s like cartoon theme song. Yeah. But anyways, go ahead. <laughs> it's Captain Planet, all right? But whatever, but whatever it is, I – I don't I don't know why I relish this so much, but one of the one of the great sort of morbid joys of watching sports is when an NFL fan base believes in something that is just not gonna happen. It's just not gonna unfold for them. And and look, I, I can say this because I I'm a Salt Lake guy and it's it's the same thing with the Utah Jazz fan base every year. People get all hyped up and they get all optimistic. And at the end of the day, the Miami Dolphins are not going to deliver you a championship, Zachariah. Not this year. I'm not talking about this year, but do you not believe in Tua? I mean, Tua's fine, but I, I don't like one thing we have learned is that even a great quarterback by himself is not the only piece you need. In but the their defense, but oh, see, their defense and their special teams is why they won. You don't believe in Flores? To me, if Tua. Not this year, obviously. They need some wide receivers. They need some other pieces. But And their offensive line struggled. I mean, anybody does against Sam Darnold. I mean, Sam Darnold. Uh, Aaron Donald. Yeah. But Aaron Donald. But my point is, I think that if, if the coach is for real and they're building that defense and Tua is for real. Now, that's a big if. I don't know if Tua is for real or not. He's small. He's lefty. That's not usually a good recipe for a winning quarterback. Steve Young obviously being um, – you know, an exception to the rule. But if Flores is for real, that defense is for real, and Tua ends up being for real, not this year, but I think that they could get to the point where they're a championship contender. I hope you're right for your sake. But organizationally, it just it's turning around a Titanic. It doesn't it takes more than players. So I hope you're right because I yeah. think the coaching situation yeah. has improved. 
Yeah, and, and to that point, you would have said that about the Buffalo Bills three years ago as well, right? Oh, man, Sean McDermott, the first year we actually went to the playoffs. It's like turning around the Titanic. And I think because of the leadership that Sean provided, I think Brian is doing very something very similar down there as far as what he's demanding from the front office, talking to ownership, setting a certain standard, bringing in certain guys, winning defensively early while their offense catches up. It's a very similar trajectory. And if they continue to keep playing the way they're they're doing right now, I mean, they have a shot of getting that 7C. And then if it's an eighth team, who knows what's going to happen. I definitely think they can probably sneak in there. If they continue to play the way they are doing, Tua continues to grow. Because let's not forget, what, what was it, week seven, week eight, that he's getting in there. The defensives have, have had time to get experience, get better, unlike when you look at some of his counterparts like um, Herbert, and uh, Burrow, who've played since the beginning and have continued to get better. So he's kind of just dropped in the middle where everybody has their rhythm. So if he's able to get his rhythm, they're able to win these, you know, uh, they have a hard game this week versus Arizona, but able to find a way to win, and he continues to get better in that process, they have a shot at doing something, at least getting to the playoffs, and I think um, outperforming their expectations for this year. Yeah, well, I think I think Dolphins fans coming out of that game, not so assured that they have their – franchise quarterback but possibly assured that they do have their franchise coach and it's interesting because a lot of Belichick disciples as they like to call it have not necessarily been successful you did mention Vrabel who has but like he might be another one because I mean the majority of those guys once they leave I mean look at Patricia in Detroit the majority of the guys that leave Belichick don't tend to go on to have success but let's go on because you just mentioned the Bills though and the Patriots you're not used to seeing this two and five they lose 24 to 21 against the Bills in Buffalo. It was not the prettiest of games and the Patriots were in it towards the end, but ultimately Cam Newton 15 of 25, a buck 74. Uh, give him his credit for taking a lot of the blame and putting it on his shoulders, but what'd you make of that? I'm I'm sure you watched it closely, Zoe. What'd you make of the Pats Bills game? Yeah, I watched it. I mean, it's a divisional game, so it was always going to be, uh, you know, tight, regardless of, of records, um, and, it's, and it's the league. But watching the game, I mean, he just doesn't, as far as Cam, he just doesn't have the people around him to, to succeed based on where he's at in, in his career right now as far as his arm strength, uh, his ability to to read defenses and, and just overcome certain things. I mean, he, I mean Edelman didn't play. Uh, Sonny Michelle didn't play, and so they're really out there. <laughs> so he had no weapons. Guys, no yeah. weapons outside of Rex Burkhead, who I have a lot of <laughs> respect for, but he's not. He's more that blue collar guy that you want to put in there. He's he's not a you know a a uh, a can't uh, be the main guy that you piece. go to. Yeah, right. Yeah. He's like a, a alternative guy that's gonna come in there and do some good things in the screen game, surpass the game, play good special teams. It's a real good player, but not an every down. I'm a dominate you type player. Mm-hmm. So they're just really down to the to the bare bones, bare minimum, and, and they're in rebuild mode. I mean, they didn't which they they sat uh Stefan Gilmore defensively. I mean, so they're just in a different place right now. Uh thought defensively the Bills played okay. They did enough obviously to win the game. Um, still need to make sure we shore up that run game, you know, defensively. They had the that's why they were able to stay in the game as far as the Patriots is because they still was able to run the ball, I thought, fairly effectively and had some big plays. Um, but overall, obviously, they came out and was able to win the game, and I thought Josh and they moved the ball well and, and found the end zone this week, which was key. OC, are the, uh, are the Pats done? I mean, is this the first time that we can say? Because a lot of people are saying now between Brady and Belichick, with Brady being as successful, and we'll get to him a little bit uh we will get to him in a little bit with Brady being as successful as he's been in Tampa Bay and Belichick struggling without Brady that the whole, which one was more responsible for the dynasty between Belichick and Brady has kind of been decided. What do you think? OC? Well, I mean, that's probably a little unfair to bill and I'm not a Belichick defender by any means, but if you look at the, their respective situations, right? Both quarterback and head coach, have to be surrounded by positive uh, impact players in order for their success to be assured, right? So Tom Brady went to a situation where he still has impact players around him, right? He himself is one, but he also has a lot of help. 
And right. Bruce Arians, and Bruce Arians, and he's got, yeah, two dominant wide receivers, another one coming in with Antonio Brown, plus the run game, a, a crazy defense. Yeah, you're right. He went into a great situation and then left Belichick with a real shitty situation. Right. So if, we, if you had a, a closer comparison would have to Drop be like, the Jets. Right, Tom Brady, instead of going to this Tampa Bay roster with that coach and, and the situation they're in right now, you have to go play for the Jets or the Jets. But yeah, so no, it's about Jets, the same. Yeah. It's about the same, similar talent wise, right now. When you look at their rosters, I mean. Okay, so so we'll, we'll <laughs> use the Jets as the example there. All right, Tom Brady, you're the goat. Now go rescue the Jets. <laughs> yeah. Results would not be there, right? Yeah, yeah. So there, there have been you and Max Kellerman, Zachariah, have just been chomping at the bit to tell everybody that Belichick is washed and that Brady is washed and everyone's washed and people want to stick a fork in these guys and declare them done. Let Bill Belichick rebuild a little bit. Like we are six or eight weeks into him not having the guy that he built up his, the pillars of his success with. Let the man adjust a little bit and then we'll declare whether or not he's the greatest coach in NFL history. If he can overcome the loss of Tom Brady and return to any sort of respectability, that's an accomplishment all by itself. I, I, I do not understand why football fans who proclaim to be so knowledgeable and who proclaim to have followed these teams for so long just willingly forget how hard it is to build success in a dynasty and winning, and they think that rebuilds should be done instantly. That's not the reality in high school, in college, or in the NFL. All right. My yeah. Problem- Oh, go, go ahead, ahead so. Go ahead, so. Yeah, I'm. I, yeah, I, I'm always going to err. You know, obviously, I'm a player, and I'm I'm moving into coaching now. But I think I'm gonna always err on, especially on that level, that players will make a better. Great players will make a more of an impact in adding a great coach to a roster. Uh, if we say all things are equal, right? So, um, Belichick is a great coach, and I think even if he would have had everybody this year, minus minus Brady. They would have been a playoff caliber team because their defense would have been a lot better. They would have had some other weapons. Uh, but to get over that hump, to get to win championships, Tom Brady is more impactful than a Belichick ran team. I think if you insert another great coach with Belichick, you get there. You insert another quarterback, I don't know. So that's kind of where I always fall on it. Um, when it comes to that, but yeah, I mean, you can always make the argument out the other way too. But it's it's always it's a, it's a players' league. Players players make plays. Obviously, coaches coach. But if the players ain't out there executing at a high level, you're not going to ever get over that that uh, that uh, that barrier that you're trying to get through over the hump. Yeah, I think I think both situations happen. I think coaches can make a lesser team better. But I think what you're saying is right, Zoe. It's more often that if you have an incredibly talented roster, it can make the team better even with a bad coach. It's more likely right. that that's going to happen than the other one. And let me just be clear, OC. My brother's name is Max, but don't be comparing me to Max Kellerman, okay? I'm not clamoring for these guys. That I, I just want them to be washed. It's not that I'm saying that they are washed. I'm not saying that Brady is washed. I'm not saying that Belichick is washed. I'm just saying I hate both of them. Hate's a strong word. My teachers always told me, say dislike immensely. I dislike immensely both of them, and so I want them to be washed. But I'm not saying that they are washed. I'm, sh- I'm sure, like you said, you give Belichick a little time to rebuild, and he will. Anyways, yeah, he will. Yeah. yeah, he hasn't drafted well, though. I, that, that's his biggest probably thing. He, they haven't been able to draft well and be, build internally with talent. It's always been through free agency, and then obviously Tom Brady making lesser talent uh, come alive. And it's yeah. rare that you see, especially years currently, that they have guys that can just, all right, we lost this guy. Here, you can just step in and, and then fill the role. Yeah. Okay, let's move on to the next game. I didn't think that this would be a game that I wanted to really touch on, but for some reason I was interested in it. It was Bengals-Titans. Bengals-Titans on paper seems like something that you would just brush over. But the reason why I wanted to ask – the reason why I wanted to talk about it is a couple of things. Number one, did this to you – because Burrow, I remember after week one, they lost. And in the the press conference, the post-game conference, he talked about how – disappointed he was that it was his fault that losing is not acceptable and I thought honestly I thought it was kind of cute 
It was like, look, man, the Bengals are always going to be the Bengals. Your team's going to be garbage. It's cute that you think that losing's unacceptable, but you're going to have to get used to losing. But he's shown me a bunch in this game, and they beat the Titans, who going into two weeks ago were undefeated playing the Steelers. And so what I wanted to ask you guys was, does this tell you more about how good you think Joe Burrow's going to be? Or does this tell you a little bit that the Titans are not quite as good as we thought they were? OC? I think the Titans, yeah. Oh, I mean, I think the Titans are are who we thought they were. I mean, it shows you how hard it is to win this league week in and week out. Um, it, you know, they just ran up against a, a Bengals team that has been on the cusp. They've been competing the whole time. And then when you throw Bur- Bur- Burrow in there and what he means uh, to this organization and this team as far as just having hope um, and somebody you can get behind because this kid is taking a lot of hits, gets up and continues to compete. They're going to figure out ways to win games. I mean, we just saw the, I don't even, the Giants, what are they, one and six, one and seven, take a Tom Brady team to the brink and had a chance to win the game, right? Yeah, damn so, near overtime, yeah. Right. So you put a, a team out there, that's why you have to prepare every single week. And Joe Burrow is a competitor. And so when he's out there doing those things, taking those hits, getting back up, teams are going to play hard for him. His defense is going to try to play hard for him, even though talent-wise and paper-wise, they may not be, um, comparison to a Tennessee Titans team who we've seen how well they play, mm-hmm. they can get up for any game and every single week. And so that's what you got to kind of look at when you look at uh, some of these games that are a lot tighter than normal. Um, but Burl is a, is a dog and it's somebody that I would, you know, obviously go out there and play hard for based on what he showed me thus far in the season. Yeah, the, Joe Burrow is going to be somebody in this league as long as Cincinnati can draft successfully, develop successfully around him and protect him from the inevitable downturn of his own confidence and production based on constantly being beaten into the ground, right? But to Zoe's point, there's some belief. There's like a glimmer of hope in Cincinnati. If organizationally they can rise to what their players are willing to do and they can build around a guy who clearly is an adequate, if not excellent, cornerstone for winning uh, in a, in a pass-happy league, uh, you know, Joe Burrow is really going to be somebody. And, and look, the bar gets raised when we start talking about teams like the Pittsburgh Steelers this year. And we talk about uh, what the Chiefs have been and what Seattle looks like. And so we're expecting Tennessee. OK, well, Tennessee, if you're a contender in the AFC, you've got to be that. And you've got to be that right now. Brable's still a relatively new head coach. Uh, they've got a group of players that are still kind of gelling. And by the way, they don't even have as good of a quarterback as the rookie in Cincinnati. So like sometimes those factors combine and you don't have a great week, but I I still believe in the Tennessee Titans. Yeah. I, I got to disagree with you there. I look, I agree with both of you that I think Burrow's going to be a factor in this league, a franchise quarterback. I don't know if it's going to be with the Bengals, the Bungles, because they seem to be cursed, and I love to make fun of Ohio. I don't know if it's going to happen yeah. there, but but I, I well, it's it's the ownership. But anyways, yeah, well, yeah, it's ownership. I'm about to say if they not cursed, that Brown is a horrible owner. I mean, he doesn't spend no money. Yeah. So they can't compete. I mean, it just is what it is. Yeah, he literally prides himself on not spending money. But I walked away more from that because, yes, I was impressed with Burrow. But I walked – and again, Zoe, I know, every game is hard to win. A win is a win. You yell at me when I say that, they, you know, the Bills should have beat the Jets by more because just getting a win in the NFL is difficult. I understand that. But I walked more away from that. And I said this a couple of casts ago. There's something about the Titans. Even though I believe in Vrabel, I think that Tannehill's been great. Henry, you know, you could argue is an MVP candidate. There's something about the Titans that I don't trust to be an elite team. And this was a this was this would be my first piece of evidence if I if there was a court case of why I was to, to say that the Titans are not a contender. So I walked away from that more not believing in the Titans than I do in what Burrow can do, even though I was impressed with Burrow. But let's stick with the horrible state of Ohio that I love to make fun of. I love you, Ohio. I love you, I love you, Cleveland. Not Cleveland, but Cleveland. The Raiders and the Browns. This was an ugly game, 16 to 6, and nobody was happier about it after the game than John Gruden. So I'm not sure how much you saw from this game, but every time I see a defensive battle, I always think of you because I assume that you love those more than watching a bunch of pretty offenses run down, you know, run down the field, <laughs> touchdowns and all this stuff. But 16 to six Baker Mayfield, just 12 of 25 for 122 yards. I don't even know how that's possible in today's NFL. Josh Jacobs yeah. runs 
Josh Jacobs runs for more yards than Baker Mayfield throws for. The Raiders get a win on the road, improved to four and three. Uh, I'm not, not sure how much you saw that game, though, but yeah, that was an ugly yeah. one. Right, and I was actually pretty surprised because, uh, you know, everybody was talking about OBJ being out, and, you know, there was a lot of stats, and kind of the narrative all week was like, well, actually, Baker is better when OBJ is not even on the field, and, you know, he because he's not necessarily focused on him. I know we talked about that earlier in, a, in, a, in another podcast, um, just about that dynamic, and for him to come out there and just fizzle like that, it just, it's hard, I mean, it's hard for me to even get behind the Cleveland Browns, because one minute, they look like they're trash. They got all this talent. Then they look like, okay, they can ball. They doing their thing. And then that, as soon as you kind of get excited about what they've done or what they're overcoming and maybe changing some of the narrative about who they are as an organization and as a team, then they do. They have a game like this. And so it's just uh, it, it's, it's surprising and crazy. But, yeah, you know, I always love a good scoring defense. But I don't know if it was just bad offense or, 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 or great defense when you, when you, when you think about it. Yeah, because the, the Raiders score don't, of the game. Yeah, the Raiders don't strike <laughs> the the Raiders don't strike you as having this dominant, you know, Steelers Buccaneers defense and to oh. hold a team to six points. Yeah, so it might they have don't. been. You're right, Zoe. It might have been more bad offense than it was good defense. Yeah, because I think for the Raiders, I think they're even like last in sacks. So even if you pass, thinking about passing the ball, it's not like they're getting a ton of pressure. Uh, mm-hmm. So yeah, I, you know. And so it just it just comes down to yeah, like great score sixteen to six, but that doesn't mean that it was great defense. People could just lack of execution offensively. What are your thoughts on Baker Mayfield, OC? Uh, look, Baker's a guy that I think has a lot of ability. I think he's overconfident, and I there's always this like delicate balance because you want a guy to have belief in himself if he's going to go out there and he's going to be the face of a franchise in the National Football League. But uh, I think that Baker. Nobody's nobody believes in Baker like Baker does, right? And that's fine, except when uh, when it's not going well. Are you the guy who then is putting in the necessary work, doing the necessary film study, doing whatever you have to do, like away from the spotlight to elevate your ability to lead your team to success? He's he, he plays for a bad organization. He plays for a team that has ruined, chewed up, and spit out so many quarterbacks that I don't know if it's even fair to yeah. judge him based on what happens in a Cleveland Browns uniform. But uh, I, I don't know. I, I go, I waffle back and forth on whether or not his swagger is excessive based on what he's actually accomplished in the NFL. Yeah. I like his overconfidence. I, I mean, if anything, I don't think there's any, I don't think there's such thing as overconfidence. So I'm fine well, with you're all the same that. dude. Yeah. You're the same dude. <laughs> no, yeah, no. Except I actually have the talent. Anyways, <laughs> my, my point is, my point is it looks, it looks really bad with the commercials and you know, all the stuff that he does in, in terms of showing how confident he is. It looks really bad when the results aren't there. When the results are there, it looks great. You feel great about it. When it's not there, it looks really – and that's the risk that you take when you're as cocky as he is. But I think ultimately he might just not have the ability. I don't know if it's his height or if it's his ability to read the field. He might just not actually have it. So um, uh, the good win for the Raiders. I, 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 I didn't walk out of that game feeling any better about Carr or the Raiders as a team in general. Gruden – like I said, was happy to get back to smouth, smash mouth football where, you know, guys are just, you know, low scoring, running the ball, and they were thrilled. But ultimately, I just don't know if Baker really has it. All right, rapid fire on a – Real quick. because oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Does, Baker's a Heisman Trophy winner. He does have it, all right? But the question is, does he have it when it comes easy to him and when he's surrounded by dominant talent, or does he have it – because he's willing to put in the work like an Aaron Rodgers and a Russell Wilson and a Tom. Yeah, but OC, but, but OC, Tim Tebow won a Heisman Trophy. So my question is, he had it in college. Does he have it in the NFL? It's a lot different in the NFL. Guys are bigger, yeah. stronger, faster. Um, yeah, he has the ability, yes, but there's a gap between, like, like uh, Zach just said, from college to the league as far as being productive. Because there's a lot of, of, of Heisman Trophy Candidates, a, high, a lot of high draft picks that had it, but they get to the league and it's for whatever reason they it, it doesn't transition well. 
Yeah. All right. Rapid fire on a couple of games because I want to I want to dive into two other games R- real quick with the Colts and the Lions. The Colts moved to five and two. I didn't watch one second of this game, so I'm not going to ask either of you guys to break it down at all. I just when I saw the when I saw their record, because the last again, I have not been keeping track of the Colts all year long. I know that they signed Philip Rivers in the offseason, but the only two times they must have went 0 and 2 and now they're like 5 and 0 since then or something. All I remember is Philip Rivers being Philip Rivers and losing games and all of a sudden I look up and they're 5 and 2. You think the Colts have any shot of making the playoffs though? Or OC? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, obviously in the AFC, so it's uh, it's going to be uh very difficult with when you think about all the teams. But their defense is playing hot. Their defense has been playing hot since the beginning of the year. And so they had to, uh, you know, obviously overcome Phillip Rivers in some of those games. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they've been, they've been a pretty strong team, I mean, since the beginning of the year and just continue to compete. As long as their defense plays well and continues to give them a shot, you got to remember, you know, Houston took a huge step backwards this year. So they're going to have an opportunity to possibly compete for that division, especially when you think about them, you know, matching up really with, the Tennessee Titans. And so if they can figure out a way to, to win that division, then they got they got a real shot because the other team is the Jaguars and, and they're not scaring anybody right now. So they, they, they're right there for the taking. And so you win a division, you're in. Oh, see? Well, you got to look at it two ways because that divisional math that Zoe's talking about is important to consider. But also when you're discussing a five-win team, who have they beat? And the Chicago Bears are the only respectable win on that list for them. Right? And even that's questionable, OC. Right? So you play who you play. Yeah. <laughs> so you play who they put in front of you, right? But there's a lot of situations where we make it halfway through a season in college football or halfway through a season in the NFL, yeah. and we're hiring somebody because of how things have laid out, and then they run up against real opposition, and you know they come back down to reality a little bit. They got this next stretch for the Indianapolis Colts. Ravens, on the road at the Titans, Packers. We'll talk about them after that. Yeah, I guess we'll find out after that. All right, the other game I want to just rapid fire on also, this one was probably the most surprising result of the week. Correct me if I'm wrong. Vikings, who were 1-5 going in, go to Green Bay. I know it's not quite the same as going to Green Bay with not all the fans and stuff like that, but beat a Packers team that was 5-1. and one. So the Vikings go to 2-5, and five, the Packers fall to 5-2. and two. Aaron Rodgers had a great game, 27 of 41, almost 300 yards, three touchdowns. But Dalvin Cook, my God, I think he was the first player since they since the merger that scored four touchdowns on the first four possessions of you know their respective team. So I to me that was the biggest shocker. I'm not sure what you guys made of that, but I don't think that anybody saw the Vikings at one and five going in and beating the Packers at five and one. That's a fluke, and that is on the Packers for not uh, not taking the game seriously enough because they thought the Vikings were terrible. So yeah, yeah, and um, I guess to that point, I mean, the, the Packers' defense isn't that great. I mean, they're much aligned with Seattle in my mind, right? So you got these high-powered offenses that at any time, if your defense just doesn't show up or you don't score enough points, one more point than the other team then you can find yourself on the, on, the, on the other side of it. And so I think they need to continue to figure out ways, and they didn't do anything at the, the trade deadline or before then to try to shore up that defense or add some additional weapons for A-Rod to continue to be able to outscore the opponent. And so, yeah, it might have been a, it's a fluke in the sense that Minnesota found lightning in the bottle, but I think it's a more of a telltale sign as the Packers continue to move along here. When they play some teams that can light it up, they're going to have some real issues. All right, get your uh, get ready for a hot take coming in right here. This is what I'm going to say. I'm going to say that for Zachariah to go third person on you, the the Green Bay are the FC and the AFC. They're a team that looks good on paper. They've got all the parts. They've got the running back. They've got the wide out. They've got the quarterback. But I I just don't believe in them. I've seen the Niners clean up them way too easily last year they just always they seem like a team where it's just Aaron Rodgers doesn't have enough and maybe it is the defense though I'm not sure but that's my hot take all right two more games and then I've got one question for you and then we'll get out of here the game of the week probably was the 6-0 Steelers going to Baltimore 5-1 Ravens the game was 28-24 that was the final but the game really wasn't that close and it seems like 
Lamar Jackson, I'm not going to say he's been figured out, but it does seem like Pittsburgh has their number. What did you make of that game, Zoe? Did you watch any of that, Steelers-Ravens? Yeah, I watched a little bit of it. I actually should go get my six-year-old because he watched all of it. I uh, probably could break it down better than me. He he loves football. I like that. I like that. Guess yeah, yeah, he loves it. Yeah, he loves it. But um, yeah, to me, I far I thought he was going to be a, a lot better passer from the pocket. Obviously, he's very uh, productive and explosive. But when he's in a situation where he they they're in a in a position where they have to maybe pass the ball, he's not where they need to be yeah. uh, quite yet in order to be consistently competitive. Especially again when you start playing some teams and they have a great defense. So to play against some offenses that that they can put up numbers, and offensively you got to be able to keep pace and bail them out. And if they're ever down more than you know a score or you know, 10 points at any given point. I, I I was faithful that Lamar was going to be able to get there, but he's not quite there yet as far as being able to be a great pocket passer without being a liability as far as turning the ball over, you know. And, and anytime they give up points offensively like they did, throwing a pick six, uh, it's going to be hard to beat a team like um, the Steelers anyway. So, yeah, um, yeah he just well, he has reminds to keep he, he reminds me of a guy – this is going to sound ridiculous, and I don't want to just use Mike Vick because they're both quick black quarterbacks. But like, you could, what? No, no why are you using Mike Vick? Well, right. Because, no, hey, if you would let me finish my point, I'm also going to throw a guy that looks nothing like Mike Vick and Lamar Jackson in there. I'm going to say Matthew Stafford. My general point is not the actual style of play, but in terms of their productivity. All, all three of those guys strike me as a guy where they look really good, maybe against worse teams or maybe even against some good teams, but it's not a big game. But when you really need them, when it really comes down to needing to be laser focused and make the big play, for whatever reason, they turn into an average quarterback. They just don't look the same as they do in every other game. So you take the 85% of the games that they play and you go, oh, this guy's a franchise quarterback, give him a max contract, blah, 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 blah. But in those 15% games where you really need him, whether it's the playoffs or even this game, even though it wasn't a playoff game, it was a big game, they just shrink for whatever reason. I don't have, I don't know the explanation. Maybe it's the caliber of teams that they're playing, but all three of those guys, I could probably come up with more. I mean, hell, you could throw Phillip Rivers in there. Phillip Rivers, Matthew Stafford, Mike Vick, Lamar Jackson. Um, there's a bunch of guys that, they look really good in 85% of the games, but in the 15% that you really need them, they shrink for whatever reason. But you got to be careful about putting uh, a young player like Lamar Jackson into the same category as a Phillip Rivers type, who 18 years in the league never really delivered a big win, right? Like you can't write off a guy this early in the process. And in the game, uh, look, it's, it's one of the NFL's, in my opinion, only true old school, like – uh, you know, college or high school style rivalries. That game always is interesting. It was a close contest. Uh, ben Roethlisberger, an elder statesman, barely outplayed Lamar Jackson on the day. So was it a solid performance from him? No. Is it time to read into what this guy's going to be over the course of his career on that level? Uh, also, no. And, man, that Ravens defense is so much fun to watch, whether or right. not Jackson is doing the right thing. And and that's who kept him in the game, you know, with having those two turnovers. Um, so, yeah, I mean, they just got to figure out a way where they can overcome when they're playing against these good teams and, and be able to battle back and put themselves in a way to win. But I, that's why I just feel, I, I, even though they were close, this game came down to, you know, really that last possession where he got stopped on the goal line. Um, for them to be where they want to be, he's going to have to be better in the pocket. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I just, I, I don't know what it is. He's, a, he's a guy that I love to watch, and when he looks great, he's great. But in the playoffs and in big games, it just seems like his ability, and and maybe the Steelers just have his number, but he's done it in the playoffs also. Anyways, let's move along. The to Seahawks thirty-seven twenty-seven. Now we've got COVID tests coming out, Kittle's out, Garoppolo's out. The running backs are out. The Seahawks win the game 37-27. to 27, And a lot of people are talking about Russell Wilson possibly being an MVP candidate based on his ability to overcome their defense, which is no longer the Legion of Boom. But 
The Niners fall to four and four. They're going to be out without. They're going to be without Kittle and Garoppolo for at least four weeks. And it seems like they're looking more towards next year than this year. What'd you make of that game, Zoe? Did you watch uh, Niners Seahawks? Yeah, I watched it. Uh, I mean, the Seahawks just just pretty much dominated the game. Um, yeah, I mean, that's all I can say about it. I mean, they got so yeah. many injuries with 49ers. That it's, just, it's hard to overcome when you play against a team like, like Seattle and the way Russell Wilson and, and my guy, DK Metcalf, is a, is a freaking monster. Yeah. That, I mean, people, he just imposes his will on people. I mean, there's a couple of times where guys just kind of give up on him because they don't want no piece of, of that man out there running running 4-3 at whatever he is, 240, 230, I don't know, mm-hmm. uh, you know, down the sideline. So, I mean, he's just dynamic, and this is something that is hard for him to overcome. The 49ers, uh, you, it's a mulligan year. I mean, the rash of injuries, all the bad luck, the fact that Mike McGlinchey forgot how to play football, all of it is just working against the San Francisco 49ers right now. And, uh, look, Kyle Trask, <clears throat> Kyle Trask is going to be sitting there for them to draft out of Florida, and they're going to have to make decisions on whether or not Jimmy's the guy. You don't pay $30 million, $40 million for what Jimmy Garoppolo has been giving them. So probably time to move on. Yeah, I was actually – I was surprised more on the offensive line because Shanahan's such a genius. I, I talk about this all the time with his ability – to shift guys around and motion and the the running schemes that he comes up with always pops out when I'm watching their games. But they only averaged 2.36 yards per carry in this game after averaging 5.37. And they just couldn't get the running game going. Mullins came in and looked good, garbage time, whatever. But also the pass. The Seahawks came into the game with one of the worst pass rushes in the league, and they had three sacks against the Niners. So I don't know what's going on with their offensive line. Obviously, getting uh, Kawan Williams back helped. Um, But just in general, the Niners are just such a mash unit that it's just impossible to overcome. And Kittle is their best offensive player. He's their best wide receiver. He's their best running back. He's their best offensive lineman. He's their best everything. And him being out, I mean, they're done. And you brought it up. OC, and I was going to bring it up. I'm surprised that you did it on your own. The Niners do have a decision to make when it comes to Garoppolo, and I didn't think it was going to come this quick. OC, they were in the Super Bowl last year. Last year, OC, they were in the Super Bowl, and you're talking about cutting them, but that's what the numbers say. The numbers say that it would make more sense to cut him in terms of the cap number that it's going to hit him with, and it's just shocking. How do you make the Super Bowl and the next year? The, the season's not even – we're halfway through the year after you make the Super Bowl, and you and I are both saying, yeah, the smart decision is to cut him. Well, to be fair, I felt this way when he missed the throws in the Super Bowl that could have won you a Super Bowl because the margin for error is that thin right now in NFL football. You don't have to be Pat Mahomes, but you can't be the guy – that when you've got an open receiver, you miss him. You can't be that guy. You can't be the guy that misses twice on a drive, one on a touchdown pass and one on a third down that will extend a drive and give you a chance to march down the field and hopefully eventually score that game-winning touchdown. You, you can't be that guy who misses. And I said it the week after the Super Bowl, and people were like, oh, come on, that, you're being ridiculous. You're being overreactionary. Look, it is an overreaction. But if you have all the other pieces in place, particularly on the defensive side of the ball, if you have all of those pieces in place like the San Francisco 49ers do right now, you cannot afford to be dragging the Jimmy Garoppolo uh, you know, middle-level middle performance along. You have to have a guy that elevates you, and he's not that. Zoe, I know what you're going to say. If you cut him, who are you going to replace him with? But if you look at the numbers – it's going to be the fourth year of Garoppolo's five-year, $137 million contract. He'll have a cap number of $26.9 million, the 11th highest in the league, but just $2.8 million in dead money if he's cut. Would you move on? Because I mean, they've got all the other pieces in place. Yeah. Bosa's going to come so, back next year. Right. What would you do? <clears throat> but you, you, you still need a quarterback. It's still a quarterback's league. And so unless you have somebody viable that's going to be a free agent that, you, that you're very confident that you can get, you may not have to cut him, but you, maybe you restructure the deal. Say, so, hey, hey, Jimmy G, hey, we got to restructure this. 
we're up against the cap anyway because of this $175 million floor that we possibly gonna have because of COVID. And you figure out a way to make it work unless you have another option. But if you don't have another option, I don't care who comes back. I don't care how good your defense is. I don't care how good the supportive pieces are. If you don't have nobody that's out there that's a, at least middle of the pack to top in where I think, you know, Jimmy G is, he's probably middle of the pack somewhere, top 15, yep, as yep. far as what he's able to do. Mm-hmm. You're not going to win a Super Bowl. And I'm, I mean, they, and they're not going to have, I don't know what their draft picks look like, you know, as far as where they may end up, as far as getting a quarterback in the draft. And then that's even a crapshoot because you don't know what it's like. So your window is very small in the league. And so while you have these other caliber players, you need a quarterback that's viable, that's going to be able to at least get you into the dance and give you a shot at playing for a Lombardi. And so unless they have another option, they're going. They, I don't see them cutting them. I see them maybe restructuring. But you don't give away a talent, a talented guy that's going to help you get to where you want to be at, unless you have another option. Yeah, it's just it's just crazy to me. I I brought it up with it's Bill quarterbacks O'Brien. Quarterbacks league. Yeah, yeah. I, I brought it up with Bill O'Brien. You could be up big in the playoffs and looking like you're going to knock off Patrick Mahomes and be without a job the next year. And yeah. it just it goes. I mean, you could be in the Super Bowl one year, and literally people are saying the smart move to do is to cut you. But like you said, Zoe, they've got to have at least somebody that is in the realm in terms of replacement. All right, let's get out on this halfway through the year. And Patrick Mahomes has a 22 to one touchdown to interse- interception ratio. First player in NFL history with 20 plus touchdowns and one or fewer INTs in his first eight games. They're seven and one. Kind of makes that Raiders win over them that much more impressive. Then you got Rodgers. His wide receivers have the highest drop rate in the league, and he's been without his top three wide receivers for various games, but he still has his best completion percentage, yards per attempt, QBR and TD rates since he won his second MVP in 2014. Then you got Russell Wilson. We talked about it, how good he's been overcoming, how bad the Seahawks defense has been. The Seahawks are averaging a league-leading 34.3 points per game, and he's got the lowest off-target percentage in the league. And then you've got Tom Brady, who we I, I didn't even mention yet, and we talked about Tannehill and Henry early on after the past two weeks, probably not. But who's your MVP halfway through, Zoe? Well, I mean, I've watched Russell Wilson probably the most just because of, the, you know, being out here in Phoenix. and NFC West, covering yeah. The yeah. NFC West stuff. I mean, and what he's doing is dynamic in itself. I mean, they all, I mean, it's, it's kind of hard to, to pick one. I mean, they're all doing their own thing in their own right. Um, can you believe Wilson is – Can you believe – Yeah, but if I pick one, go ahead, go ahead. I was just going to say, can you believe Wilson hasn't had one MVP vote in his entire career? Yeah, that's crazy, which that uh, – yeah, that – that's, that's, that comes to a stop this year. But if I had to pick one, you have to say A-Rod. And obviously, I'm a cow guy. I play with him, all that. But with the talent around him, as far as when you think about receivers, he has the least amount of help. So obviously, his talent has helped those guys put him in a position to be 7-1. When you think about Russell, I mean, obviously, you got DK. Um, and what's my other homeboy's name? Lockett. That's, Lockett. That's, really, Lockett, that's really good. You think about the Cheetah and, and Kelsey that um, and Andy Reid that uh, Patrick and Sammy Watkins, Sammy Watkins, yeah, the run game. Yeah, so yeah, when yeah. I think about who's done the most with the least, I'm, I, I'm yeah. with the least. I'm thinking about a Rod, you yeah. know. And so I say, with you take him out, they're not even thought about. Maybe yeah. if you have a lesser quarterback with the other teams because of what they have around them, they're at least still competitive. Obviously, not putting up these same type of numbers, but. I'm gonna have to go with A Rod based on that 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 trend of thinking. Who you got, OC? It's hard to argue against all the points that Zoe just made, but just for the sake of dissonance, I'm gonna say Russell Wilson because uh, there's been a shift in the team identity, right? Like Seattle's supposed to be the defensive powerhouse, and then Russell Wilson's supposed to be the beneficiary of that. He's putting that team on his back right now, and they look like a bona fide contender and playing in the what I think is the toughest division in football right now. So uh, for those reasons, I'll say it's Russell Wilson, although there's three or four viable candidates this year that you can't call it a robbery if any of them win. Well, that's cute. And I'm doing this not so that we all disagree. This is not first take where you like have to disagree, but I'm going to take the third option. I'm going to go with Mahomes, And I think there's been a little bit of chief fatigue for whatever reason, but I'm going to take Mahomes simply because if everything was the same and you had to drop the quarterback onto the squad, they all had the same offensive line, same wide receivers, same everything. 
I would want Mahomes more than those three. And 22 touchdowns and one pick is just crazy. Because if you watch Mahomes, you think he's playing carelessly, right? The uh, the across-the-chest throws, the no-look throws. The, you think he plays carelessly, but he only has one pick. How can you make that many ridiculous throws out there, but then also not turn the ball over? So Mahomes would be the way that I would go. Anyways, all right, gentlemen. Thanks for joining us. It is Sean O'Connell. You can follow him on Twitter at Real OC Sports. It is also Lorenzo Alexander at One Man Gang 97. I'm at Zach Sports, Z-A-K Sports. By the way, subscribe, rate, and review to us. We're finally on iTunes. You can see the new logo. We got the intro song. All the pieces oh, have come. okay. Yeah, yeah we're all good right. to go. Yeah. So you finally giving me and OC some love with the, with yeah, the new yeah. logo. Yeah, I'm yeah. I'm finally I don't... seeing your face on Twitter. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> well, my face is still there, but now your face is there looking all swollen in a Bills uniform, and OC's out there with his chest out and his tattoos flexing. But, yeah, make sure you subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes. Until next time, gentlemen, you know how I ended. Holla! All right, fellas. Later. All right, fellas. Talk to you next week. Yep. Yep. yep.